0: Out of an abundance of caution, we are canceling everything. It's episode 389 of the Dan York Report, and it was just a little over a month ago, March 7th, when the first case of the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic was reported here in Vermont, where I live. In the midst of all of that, I thought I'd pause and just reflect a bit on my own experience here in what we're seeing from this part of the world and what all's going on. We're in the midst of this massive pandemic with this social distancing, which is really physical distancing, self-isolation, quarantine, whatever we want to call it. It is a massive, massive change. Now, I know people around the world may listen to this, and this is obviously the perspective of me here in my region of Vermont. In the United States, I should begin, of course, by saying that I am incredibly grateful, insanely grateful that I'm okay, that my family is okay. My wife, my daughters, my parents, my others, we're all doing okay right now. And in my particular case, I am lucky, I'm privileged to have a job that continues because I was remote working before and it just continues there. I have a house. I have food I have health I have you know the ability to run and work out I have a place to go here I'm not locked in my house as some of my colleagues are in other parts of the world and I I have a job and income to be able to stock up on food as so many people in the world are not able to do so I'm incredibly grateful for all of that I don't know about you though it's it's just crazy and it's anxious it's critical it's worrisome, unsettling has been the words that I think so many of us have used. I mean, what we need ultimately here is we need a treatment that will help ratchet down all of the concern and help us with something. You know, when I had bronchitis last year or so, which was a bacterial infection, so different from what was here, you know, I, I went to the hospital or the urgent care clinic, and, you know, they gave me a, a pack of antibiotics. I said, you know, here, go get this. You know, you took two the first day, one the next three days. And then after that, you weren't contagious and it was fading away and all was fine. But the point was there was a known treatment. And, and that's what we are missing so much here is the fact that we don't know what that is. That uncertainty is so huge. That coupled with the fact that because of how quickly things transpire, we are we're hearing about all of these edge cases and all of these other things all around the world so quickly and we, we we this virus is maddening. It doesn't take the forms that we may expect it to. and we read about these cases too, where somebody, my age in their fifties or whatever, may have woken up one day with chills, but they may be perfectly asymptomatic, no symptoms at all. But then they wake up one day on chills and then two days later, they're on a ventilator fighting for their life. It's hard to have a mental frame about how we can deal with something like this when there are so many different cases where it may be or not. And the restrictions, the things we're putting in place, sometimes seem like, you know, on, on, sometimes they seem, are we doing enough? Other times it feels like we're doing too much. But I saw somebody on Twitter saying something really good that said, right now there may, it may feel like we're doing far too much, but if a full pandemic hits, the survivors may ask why we did so little. My seventeen-year-old daughter was uh, at the beginning of this was taking is taking a class on current environmental issues, and on her syllabus was going to be a discussion about dystopian movies about environmental threats. But instead, it feels like we're living in one right now. Here in Vermont, we're blessed in a couple of ways. First off, we we have a small population. We only have about six hundred twenty thousand people in the whole state of Vermont, which is a small state. We're the 49th state out of the 50 in terms of population. And in terms of population density, we're, we're, I guess about maybe the 30th, but most of the state is rural. We have a lot of just physical distancing by its nature, except for the Northeast, Northwestern part around Burlington, Vermont, which is the area that we live in Chittenden County. That's where the bulk of the population lives in Vermont and uh, about 150 thousand or so are, are in that general area. And Vermont so far has been fairly okay. You know, the latest numbers as of today from the Department of Health say that we've had about 605 cases of COVID 19 identified within the state. They've done about seven, almost 8,000 tests. And uh, 600 cases, uh, 23 deaths. And uh, right now, at this moment, there are 35 people hospitalized. Um, not and and I think only a couple of those may be on respirators so we're okay at the moment although any of the studies show that it's going to rise this is the part where it's supposed to be rising and and more happening over here into mid late mid to late April as far as the projections go so we'll see we'll see where this goes you know it's um It's hard, you know, when when this was all first coming out, we were getting the information and we live in, in Chittenden County, which has, I think, about 300 and, well, 324 of those cases are all in our area. So half of the cases that are going on and, and that's, you know, this is where the population is. This is where people are, but it's hard because you, you hear about the cases, you knew this, but you don't know. Who has it? Where is it? Where is it happening? I mean, we're seeing it all over the place. And like most states, most places, you know, everything's been canceled here. We have, you know, all of the colleges, the students have gone home, the schools, the governor of Vermont first initially declared that schools were out until April 6th, but then soon thereafter declared that schools would be out for the entire school year there will be no more school here in vermont in the buildings face to face schools have all had to jump to you know distance learning of some type some kind of online thing and so that's been a that's a whole nother space um you know we my wife and i both continue to have our jobs and that's great for us you know, we're, we're privileged to have that. So many people here in Vermont have lost their jobs and not been able to. But we're, we have our jobs, and then we're also trying to be teachers to our kids in some ways because the parents, you know, have to, for our youngest daughter's a fifth grader, and here at least, the online lessons, the distance learning for the fifth grade and down for our particular school that she goes to. Have been you know mediated by the parents, so we're working and helping getting things ready for each day and working with her, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. the the social The social disconnect is so hard, especially for well, kids, adults, all of us, and things. My seventeen year old was taking an early college program for the state of Vermont, where they it's a great program. Instead of your twelfth year of high school, uh, you're you're able to go to college early. And you get a whole year. So she was actually already taking one of her classes online. So she's had to shift to all of them um, going that way. So it was not as big a transition for her. But this also raises lots of issues too around what about people who don't have internet access? You know, in Vermont, in the area that I live, internet access is very, you know, you can get it. But you just drive 10 15 minutes away 20 minutes away there are spots where you just cannot get internet access there's you know this we've seen these articles certainly it's highlighting this this digital divide because now kids need internet access parents need internet access for work so many different pieces that are out there it's uh it's amazing you know what this does to exacerbate to show this digital divide shows that we need that internet access all over the place. It's also been interesting too to see what happens with community groups. I've been a member of Rotary uh, for the last six months or so, and our Rotary club usually met every Wednesday morning at seven thirty. Well we stopped that, of course, as the as the dictates went on here to stop meeting in different places and so now we've been moving to using zoom as so many people have and other different forms to connect we're wired to connect in some way we want to go and do that i did a a presentation to our local wordpress group over zoom again we were able to go and do that it's just hard too with our medical system wondering if we have the capacity you know here in vermont like I said, we're not yet, you know, really pushing, straining things yet. But, you know, the preparations for that, the fact that you are, you know, are concerned that, you know, we're we're trying to get more testing out there. We're trying, you know, all of that, which would help people be calm in so many ways. And it doesn't help, of course, this is happening in the middle of the regular, you know, sicknesses here at this time of year in the, the going winter into spring, you know, schools are, are germ magnets and there's so many different things. There's 37 flavors of flu and viruses and colds and everything. And you get this paranoia that goes on where you start to wonder if everything. You know, if you have a cough, if you have a slight fever, if you have a combination of a cough and a slight fever, if you have anything in this, you ask yourself, is this COVID-19? Is this coronavirus? What do we have to do? You start to get jittery. It is so unsettling in so many ways. Here in Vermont, as in many parts of the world, we did have panic shopping. We had all of that that was going on. We had the craziness where people just bought, you know, yes, bought out all the toilet paper they could find, bought so many different things. You know, the shelves were bare. It's gotten a little bit better as the weeks have gone on, but still there's some things you can't find. Like right now, it's been challenging to find bags of flour. So many people are cooking at home now and doing other stuff. That things like that. I've been trying to make a recipe for a a black bean soup in a slow cooker, and I cannot for the life of me get myself a pound of just dry black beans. Stores don't seem to have that. Everybody has gone out. But you know, again, I have the luxury that the supply chain sounds intact, and so sooner or later, the stores should start to see some of that stuff coming back in here in some way. We're choosing other meals for that time. It's hard too if we stay up on the news. And this is something I've started to do is just to not pay attention to the news. I look at it maybe in the morning. I look at it in the evening. And that's about it because you can drive yourself insane. You can drive yourself crazy. You know, just looking at all of the stuff that's going on, you know, seeing the the side the the reading about uh, the stories coming out of New York City coming out of Italy, Spain, all of these places around the world where systems are just overwhelmed and people are dying, and everything is just crazy it 's overwhelming, you know, and this whole working from home thing that people are doing, people have asked me, well, you know so you 've been working at home for so many years. Isn't this just more of the same? And it is absolutely not. You know, I did a series uh, of these shows last October, November about uh, remote working and, and what, you know, how to survive remote working in different ways. But one of the key things was that, you know, you could get out and go work from other places. I would work from the coffee shop. I would engage with local user groups and communities. And you can't do that now. I can't leave these walls You know, I I do have this luxury that I can work from home and I am so grateful for that. But still, it's one thing to be working from home and it's another thing to have no other option but to work from home. You can't go, I can't work out of the library, I can't do that. I can't see people other than my family and, you know, whatever neighbors might happen to walk by in different ways. It's really, uh, it's challenging, right? it's this this social dynamic- this social you know the lack of social interaction that's out there that's that's just hard we're seeing social reactions too, you know right It's become normal of course for people to have docking barking dogs in the back of your video calls where the rest of the world is getting used to what some of us remote workers were we're already used to that millions of people are experiencing that thing, but we're seeing other social impacts we're seeing some of the concerns the the um you know there's perhaps too much togetherness going on in some places um somebody i know who works in the law enforcement were was saying that they are seeing an increase in domestic violence cases and things around this you know um we we have the luxury of having a a home that has a finished basement and so we can have people on three different floors of our house as we have you know, two people working and two people going to school all from within the same building. You know, but we know people in our school who have, you know, five kids and two adults in, in one house with not a whole lot of space. It's, uh, it's just crazy how this is all happening. I guess the one good news out of this, of course, is that the Internet has continued to keep on working. There were some of those concerns at the beginning with everybody working from home and would there be more bandwidth and how could it work for school and esports and social networks and there were any number of articles for a while about, oh my God, it's going to break the internet. But here's the thing, right? It, it hasn't broken the internet. The internet continues to work. The internet was designed from the beginning to be distributed, decentralized. It was designed to have capacity to be able to handle some of the things like this. Now, granted, there are spots in the world where that last mile, those internet and the access networks that are getting it to people's houses are certainly struggling. There's parts where mobile networks are not as strong as they could be and people are struggling there. And there are definitely the people who do not have access. You know, the organization I work for, the Internet Society, is always working to try to get more internet network, internet access out there, more community networks, more exchange points to help with this, all of these things. The internet overall has continued to work in amazing ways. Again, some local networks, some services have been overloaded, but overall, the internet keeps on working. And I'll tell you, it has been that lifeline right now for so many of us because we are able to work. We're able to have calls with people. We're able to do video. We're able to do online distance learning. We're able to do this. A a weekend or so ago, I was able to be part of a celebration of a wedding with, uh, well, it was a celebration of a relationship, a wedding doing all that that was the last show. If you go back to episode 388, I talked a little bit about what that experience was like with 90 plus people from around the world joining in a virtual celebration like that. This is coming up on the Jewish Passover time when families will be gathering for the Seder and for different pieces like that. And I know families who are, you know, setting it up to use Zoom to be able to go or other, you know, or hangouts or FaceTime or whatever. To be able to share that moment between each other. The internet is a lifeline for doing those kind of things like that. One, I guess, final note I'll say is that we don't know about this longer term. You know, what is the economic impact around this? The hospitality industry, the music, and so many the event industry has been just decimated. So many of the industries around here in Vermont are just you know, and when we're just a microcosm of the larger picture, you know the bars, the restaurants, the the musicians, the places, um, the the local stores and restaurants, all of that has just been put on hold. We don't know you know, what the long-term impact is going to be, largely because we don't know how long this is going to take. We don't see what it's going to be. So many of the workers who are here and so many of the folks who are hourly, who are doing different things, they have no safety net. They have no salaries. They have no income right now. How do we help? How do we restart all of that? How does that work? I live in a state that is highly dependent on tourism. It was very dependent on winter tourism, which all closed early. All of the ski areas, et cetera, closed early because of all of this. And we're highly dependent on summer tourism. We're highly dependent on all of that. How do we get through that? How do we restart that? I don't have the answers. I don't know. You know, we are... Wired for interconnection as people. We're wired for social interconnection. We're wired to be together and we're not. I think it's interesting to see all the ways that we can help each other in ways. Ways to connect. The live streaming that's happening. The churches that are using different ways to connect and bring people together. The community groups. The people. All of that. Somehow we must get through all of this. Like I said at the beginning, I mean, what we really need is that that treatment. We need some kind of clue that here's the pattern that will help us. That alone could ratchet down the concern and help us be able to get back to being able to connect and socialize and work and do all of that. But we don't have that yet. Obviously, a vaccine would be critical at some point. But even for the moment, if we had a clear plan of a treatment beyond what certain government officials may just randomly say somehow works, but really a proven treatment that would go and do this. We could be so much better in some way. We need that. We need that communication. We need, above all, to be kind to each other. It's going to get worse, probably, before it gets better. Some people are lashing out, they're angry, they're mean. We need to be kind to each other. Somehow we must all get through. Maybe someday we will look back at all of this with a degree of amusement. You know, maybe we'll think back upon this. Those of us of a certain age can remember, you know, the gas lines of the early 70s or the Cold War drills, or we can remember the fear. Of Y2K remember when the world was going to end but the key thing about that was it was infrastructure the systems were going to fail the infrastructure was there the planes might fall out of the sky the bank systems might not work transportation might fail the systems would fail but this one hits us our bodies might fail we might die and that hits us all so much closer than Y2K or anything else did. Maybe we will look back and remember when. I would can only hope we do. Or maybe the survivors may be listening to the episodes like this. Let's hope for the former. Let's put our faith in the scientists and the medical professionals who are working on this right now. Let's hope against hope somehow, that we can find that treatment, we can find that path, we can help, as they say, flatten this curve and get us to a point where things are better. That's all from here. I hope that over the next weeks and months ahead that you all out there will be safe. I hope that you'll be kind to each other. I hope that you'll stay in communication and find more ways to communicate. We need that above all right now. We need to use this amazing internet of ours that allows you to listen to this podcast episode. We need to use it to communicate, to collaborate, to create, to comfort, and to connect. It is those connections that will keep us strong as we go through all of this. So, my thoughts are with all of those out there who are on the front lines today, tonight, helping people work through this crazy disease, helping people work through this, and helping people comfort all of those. If you are a healthcare worker, if you know a healthcare worker, if you're out there in some way providing services, thank you, thank you, thank you. And let us hope that we all stay safe. That's all for now. You can find more of my audio and writing at danyork.me. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.